How you doing, Jesse? I'm fine, Scott. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, for those who don't know, I am in Idaho, and Jesse is in Canada. Don't the tell them! Day. Oh, jeez. Don't tell them that. <laughs> now I they forgot know. your your secret government uh, job. No, I, not, I should have. Oh, should now have you're giving well. everything away. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, am I going to have like a brain uh, scan or something like that? Are you going to erase my brain now? Ugh. I, see, uh, you're, you think it's a joke, but I'm going to die now. <laughs> well, this is my final my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, your final podcast with me. Because <laughs> I'm going to be dead. But. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that new Joss Whedon series, by the way. Which is about almost the same thing. Dollhouse, isn't it? Yeah, Dollhouse. When's that coming out? Um, this next season, so it's got to be uh, September at some time. Okay. So this month. Well, what does that have to do with audiobooks? Well, absolutely nothing, which okay. is why we're going to talk about them right now. Okay. I've got uh, a stack here from uh, Blackstone Audio. The first one, uh, Philip K. Dick, Ubik. Is that how you pronounce it? Ubik, I think. U- Ubik? Um, read by Anthony Heald. He's the guy who does um, all the Star Wars uh, audiobooks. Yeah, audiobook. yeah, not anymore. Jonathan Davis does them now. Right, but he right. Too. Yeah, he did. He had them at one time. So, uh, is this one that you've read? Um, hmm, no, I've heard some stuff about it on the internet. Uh, I think I heard a podcast that had something about Ubik in it. It's it's like a sort of like a universal spray that you spray on things to. I think it reverses um, reverses entropy. Huh. Not sure how to do that, how that works. Um, but being that it's Philip K. Dick, it'll be awesome. Yeah, it says it's a searing metaphysical comedy of death. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Oh, and cool. and salvation. I should finish the sentence. Of and course. salvation. You, you always have to add that <laughs> as the last line in Philip K. Dick. Well, that's great. Yeah, Blackstone Audio has been uh, publishing a lot of Philip K. Dick stuff, and, and all the recordings are excellent. Well, I think we posted a story uh, saying that there was eight coming out. They had bought eight um, old Philip K. Dick books, books um, uh-huh. the rights to eight of them. And I think they've put out like three or four um, of the recent ones. There's the Man in High Castle, um, and I've did I already put up a review for for uh, one recently? Yeah, you did one recently. Um, I can't even remember what it was. What was it? Well, I can't remember either. It's not coming to mind. <laughs> it was I really good. Look it, up. it was excellent, though. Yeah, good yeah. review. Um, it was. It wasn't like the, the, his best one, but it was. It was quite good. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever. Well, cool. All right. Yeah. Now I've got uh, Vin Diesel looking me in the face here. Um, Got a book called Babylon Babies by Maurice G. Dantec, and this is uh, translated from French. It's, I was uh, gonna guess, yeah, yeah, and um, let's see, it's been made into a movie called Babylon A.D. starring Vin Diesel. You know, and that's something that you know, I I uh, I don't read a heck of a lot of fiction that's not produced either in Canada or the United States. And, uh, you know, so I really have no clue what's going on in Europe in the science fiction world. No, I've never heard of this I guy. Should, I should correct him, yeah. No, I've never yeah, heard Yeah, I have that. no idea if this is typical or, or what. Um, it's, it could be old or it could be new. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a, it's a fairly big one, 20 hours long. Um, 
Let's see. Da-da. I like the last line in the description. It says, exploring the symbiosis between organic matter and computer power to spin new forms of consciousness. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Babylon <laughs> Babies rides Nietzsche's flaw, uh, prophecy. Man is something to overcome. Uh, okay. Hmm. It, it sounds interesting, but it certainly doesn't tell you much, does it? Yeah. The back of the thing, it says, combining metaphysics with cyberpunk post-humanism in the spirit of Philip K. Dick. Yeah, everybody wants to add in a little line about Philip K. Dick now. <laughs> yeah, he's incredibly popular right yeah. now, isn't he? I think he, I think he was always super popular in France, so um, there's probably some sort of... Um, I think one of the last interviews they have with him uh, on camera is uh, uh, him in France, uh, science mm. convention, so... Wow. That's that's uh, amazing to me, you know. How, so Jerry Lewis and Philip K. Dick are very popular in France. Oh, now you've gone in stereotype. The whole country. <laughs> See, right. everybody says. See, I'm just trying to. Uh, how do I reconcile those two? I don't know. Um, misunderstood geniuses. How about <laughs> you? Bet. All right, Moonheart by Charles DeLint. Read by Paul Michael Garcia, so that's that's great. Uh, have, you, have you heard of this book? No, I haven't. Um, you know, Charles Lynn, he writes, I don't know if you call it urban fantasy, or uh, um, it's a different kind of fantasy than, than most authors write. Anyway, he's, he's kind of, you know, one of the unique authors. Mm-hmm. I read one book by him, I can't even remember what the name of it was. There's one audiobook that came out before... Um it's called Spirit in the Wires, but I couldn't oh, really get it. into it. That's it. That's it. I, I actually listened to that. I started it. And many yeah, times, I, I had trouble I, getting into it too. Um, I'm not sure why I couldn't get into it because it seemed it seemed well written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And unfortunately, I haven't read much by him other than that, so I really don't have a heck of a lot to say by about him. So. Oh, uh, hopefully, um, this will be awesome. Who's Michael Garcia? Have we heard anything of him before? Um. Actually, I'm. I'm the name sounds familiar. Oh, he's on the next um, book. <laughs> yeah, he's on the next one, too. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, the next book is Robert A. Heinlein's Starman Jones. Now, this one um, is one of the few ones that hasn't been released in audio before. Oh. On most Heinlein books, they've done basically everything. Um, somebody's released it at some point earlier. But uh, Starman Jones, I'm pretty sure, hasn't been released before. Wow. I did not know that. It's one of the juveniles that hasn't been done. Oh, I see. I think he's a navigator. Uh, it's like um, Starman is his, his title. Like um, he's, It's like a low-ranking uh, guy on a spaceship or something like that. Oh, cool. been a long time since Sounds I read good. it. Okay. I'm just looking up uh, Paul Michael Garcia to see uh, what else he's read. I'm betting he's a uh, Blackstone guy. Yeah, he is a Blackstone guy. And I'm flipping through here. I'm almost positive I've heard him before. And... Oh, he's read one of their old ones. Uh, Saber hanging. Yeah, doesn't show much. Anyway. Um, he's an Earphones Award winner from Audiophile. And uh, maybe that's just where I recognize his name. But I'm fairly sure... Did, did he read Kiran Yaga? What is... Um, mm. You know, that, that, that does sound a little bit familiar. Um, Kiran Yaga. It didn't show up in my search. 
Yeah, it's because it's Paul Garcia, not Paul Michael Garcia. But it's the so same guy. Kieran Yaga, yeah. We just added the um, middle name because to distinguish exactly. him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was Kieran an Yaga excellent, was excellent version. So yeah. it should be a uh, good, good lesson. All right, now I've got one from... This is uh, some audio drama publishers that I am not familiar with. That's the Grist Mill? Uh, yeah, the Grist Mill. We've got two titles from them. One is called Slasher by F. Paul Wilson, and the other one is one CD that has two um, stories on it. One is uh, Joe R. Lansdale's God of the Razor and Mort Castle's If You Take My Hand, My Son. Now They're I've, all three audio drums. I've heard, I've heard of um, the first two for quite a while. They've been out there on the Internet, and um, I think um, uh, a couple of our audio drama friends out there on the internet have been saying they're really good um and then when i heard this new f paul wilson one was coming out i i said we gotta get we gotta get some of this stuff because um uh the sample i heard is just excellent sounded yeah, really I, I listened to slasher yeah it's really excellent yeah i mean the, the uh the quality of the audio drama is really excellent and that's something that um you know audio drama today is tough for me because i love it is is one thing, and but there's just not a lot of good stuff being produced on the on the internet, in, in my opinion, <laughs> through the podcasts and stuff. So when you find a good one, it's it's fantastic. Well, I think these are being released mostly through uh, down, download for purchase. Uh, CD Baby is the mm-hmm. is the place to get them uh, online. I think um, I'm not sure how well how well they can do. Uh, just as a download only, not being on Audible, but um, I've heard of them, and they're supposed to be good, so... There's a problem with Audible and audio drama as well. Oh, yeah. And uh, that is because they're not in stereo, and uh, so the files that you download from Audible are just in mono. they got to fix that. they got to fix that. Yeah, they really, really really have to, because audio drama, man, it's required. It's absolutely They do sell audio drama, too, which is kind of... Yeah, they do. They do. And you know, uh, gosh, there's uh, you know Yuri Rozovsky and Harlan Ellison made that uh, 2000X. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, I cannot find that anywhere. I never did get a version it's on Audible, on CD. Isn't it? Yeah, but it's on Audible. But those are not good versions. I mean, no. I don't know. I I don't want to stunt the sales of that audio drama because the audio dramas are excellent. And they everyone should get them. You know, you there's gotta, no doubt about that. And that's the only version that I can find. Got to call a spade a shovel, though. And in this case, Audible yeah. has a serious problem with yeah. um, and they have sound quality. Do. Right, because if you can, uh, you know, those audio dramas, the sound quality is absolutely vital. I think it's vital on audiobooks, too, although it's not as uh, worrisome to me. But audio drama, you know, when you're... I mean, you're splitting things between the the earphones, and and, and I listen to audio drama on earphones. And mm-hmm. I don't listen to it just in the you know through speakers. So, um, but anyway, when you get it through Audible, it's it's just in mono, and it's you you lose the quality of an audio drama. Absolutely. So, all right, and I got one more, one more new release. Cool. Um, Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. This is a movie. No, not movie tie-in. It's a game tie-in. I think it is a game tie-in. Yeah. And this is a game I actually I'm looking forward to playing it. I've seen uh, some some previews of it, and they they keep emphasizing uh, how the stormtroopers you know turn into rag dolls when you grab them using the force. 
<laughs> so I'm um, sure there will be a lot of that in the in the book. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is this is one of those funny things. Um, this is a an abridgment of a novelization of a game. Um, it's only it's six hours long. It's uh, Sean written by Sean Williams, uh, read by Jonathan Davis, who is absolutely excellent. Um, but again, um, you know, I had heard from Random House that they were going to start publishing these uh, Star Wars novels unabridged, and I, I was a fan of the Star Wars novels for a little while. I just can't possibly keep up with how fast they release them. It's amazing I, I was how much they can to, put out. Yeah, it's astounding, and um, I was listening to. Um, a series, gosh darn it, I can't even remember what it's called. Um, anyway, the, the series, they, they were, you know, uh, in the Star Wars universe, they have many series of books. So, you know, these ten tell one long story in the Star Wars universe, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So they were releasing the books in unabridged format, and I loved them as, I loved them as much as I do the Star Trek novelizations. <laughs> I mean, well, they're not novelizations. It's Star Trek novels, um, but they're abridged. And they're highly produced, and um, they're about the only abridgments that I really like. But the, the Star Trek ones or the Star Wars ones? The Star Trek ones. Yeah. But I, I was telling you, I, I, I enjoyed the Star Wars ones as much. But the problem is, if you abridge the first book in a series, and then the second book in a series, and then the third book in a series, well, by the time you're in the third book... They're talking about stuff yeah. they have not connected all the dots. So yeah. listening to them through abridged audio was deeply unsatisfying. This is this is a, a serious problem that a lot of the big publishers have is they 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 don't feel the need to be consistent in following a release with a release of a similar thing. So <clears throat> like if if there's going to be a release by you know Random House or something like that, and they they're going to have a series and they haven't released the entire series. I'm not sure that I want to buy the first one. Um, mm-hmm. If I know there's more coming until I know that the other ones are going to actually come out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the I many problems I have with series novels. Sure. Sure. So uh, anyway, they have abridged this one. Like I said, it's six hours long, five compactus. I'm not certain if an unabridged version is available. Um, but we have been told by Random House that um, future Star Wars titles will be unabridged, right? Um, and and that's going to be interesting too. It, you know, Random House to me, I mean, it, the Star Wars novels in particular, you can watch them throughout their existence and see how the audiobook industry has changed. It's absolutely true because they've been around for so long. I, when I right. started listening to audiobooks, there, you'd go to the bookstore. There was. You know, the self-help, there was a couple of Star Trek, a couple of uh, Star Wars, and that was it. Right, right. Yeah, and then Star Wars, they started off... Two uh, cassette, uh, uh, totally abridged. Yeah, two two cassette abridgments. And you could barely uh, understand what's going on in the plot because they're so, so, so abridged. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, they're thick books, too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're like uh, 500 pagers, and... uh, they come out in a two cassette abridgment. You know, you know the worst example of abridgment I have ever seen. Um, Tom Clancy wrote a book called uh, Red Storm Rising. Uh-huh. One cassette. <laughs> I actually owned it. I actually owned it. Well, unbelievable, unbelievable. It's, it's, like, it's like a thousand page novel. Here's a couple of pages novel. from the novel. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in order. You know. <laughs> That's for sure. 
So anyway, so then Star Wars, um, they changed to CD as the industry changed to CD. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do cassettes anymore. And then um, now they're changing from, oh, their abridgments got longer. That's another thing that happened uh, as the industry changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a typical abridgment used to be three hours. Now it's six. And now um, they're going to go unabridged, just like the rest of the industry as well. So It's, it, it's, it's uh, almost becoming redundant to say unabridged at the... Uh in the description. Yeah, not quite. I really am going to, I think we're going to keep doing it for five or six years after they have industry completely switches over because there's always some holdout here or there that just thinks that they can improve the book by editing bits out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's it on the new releases. Alrighty. Or, no, I'm sorry, not new releases. Those are our recent arrivals. Those are what, what actually have come in. I remembered the name. Actually, I looked it up. Dr. Blood okay. Money. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, 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 see, I don't see how you you can stand to see these pass through your hands and then out <laughs> like me. It's tough. It's to Phil, Philip K. Dick is an author that I have not read nearly enough of, and everyone that I see is interesting to me. He's always so, uh, he's always got some weird little weirdness going on that's fascinating and and fun. Okay, um, anything out there in the new releases front that uh, interests you? Uh, all of the above, yes. Please send them all to us. <laughs> Please send them all to us. <laughs> uh, um, i tell you what, I'm listening to one right now that is kind of renewing my enthusiasm. What's that? Um, it's Spin by Robert Charles Wilson. I'm about halfway through it. Yeah, that's, that's one of the new uh, Audible Frontiers titles. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and Audible Frontiers right now, man, are they producing some good stuff. It's uh, it, it's it, almost like I a wish they would slow down up. because I cannot, I cannot <laughs> keep up with their releases, and there's yeah. so many awesome titles. It's amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic what they're doing. Um, but yeah, Spin. You know, when you listen to a lot of audiobooks, you know, like we do, you know, enthusiasm is like tides. I guess you know sometimes it's tedious. The high ones are rare. Pleasure, yeah. And uh, Spin right now, it's one of those ones that I'm actually finding time to listen to more, you know, which, you know, I usually don't anymore because it's just... Did you read uh, the paper version? No, I did not. Ah. No, as a matter of fact, I I bought the paper version and I read the first couple of chapters and then I had to move on to something else and I was going to get back to it and then this audio version was released. So I had, uh, you know, the first couple of chapters were familiar when uh, when I listened to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm in all new stuff right now. I, I'm finding the quality of the um, the releases through uh, Audible Frontiers is pretty pretty high. Mm-hmm. I heard a couple yeah, of people agree. complaining like of repeated lines and stuff. Actually, I, I, one of the ones I heard there was a repeated line. But other other than you know, um, just the, they've got great readers. Um, they uh, they're adding in sort of like a little interview with with um, uh, R C H at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, RCW. Well, no, no, not I didn't. I didn't catch that on this one. Maybe it's at the end. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes they don't have them on all of them. But uh, yeah, I don't. It's I don't have impressive. them on this. I didn't. Unless I missed it. <laughs> no, unlikely. <laughs> yeah, because I I love those. You know, in an audiobook, I absolutely love it when they take absolutely throw that little thing extra in there. You know, hey, here's a like Orson Scott Card's uh, Ender series. They yeah, all he's, now he's got, got a little interview at the end. 
You know, the, the company that started something similar to that, that I, I really wish Audible would get, um, they, they were getting a lot of old back, back, uh, older, uh, audiobook titles that are out of print. Uh, Durkham, you remember Durkham? Yes, absolutely. Uh, all the Durkham audiobooks, they had like little story notes or, I guess, editor, editor, uh, information about you know so its place in science fiction history or something like that. Oh, oh it's so awesome! I spent so much money trying to get you know old back issues of of their releases, and uh-huh. I still haven't got all of them. And I, I it make, brings tears to my eyes that I don't because there's so much goodness in each of each of their releases. Well, that's great. Um, yeah. You were asking what's uh, exciting me in new releases. Um, yeah. Well, I think the first book book on tape uh, that's coming out for ages um, that has been science fiction. This new Arthur C. Clarke one. Uh, oh right. Arthur C. Clarke mm-hmm. and Frederick Pohl. Frederick Pohl is really getting up there in years, and Arthur C. Clarke just died. So this is, could be the last book from both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And the the premise sounds pretty good. It's. Uh, it's uh, based on Fermat's Last Theorem, and then uh, people are arguing different proofs of proving, you know, his Last Theorem using the the math of his day, and then the aliens come. <laughs> so there's some sort of relationship uh, between oh, cool. the two. And that sounds good. Yeah, you know, you take Frederick Pohl, who's a great writer, and Arthur C. Clarke, who was, you know. Everybody knows his writing. Um, right. You got to have some some sort of goodness come out of that. Sure. Yeah, I agree with you. Also, Sounds good. Also, um, Wonder Audio just released a bunch of new stuff, and uh, I've heard Preferred Risk. Um, actually, mm-hmm. did some proof listening for it, and it's very interesting. It's another Frederick Pohl, an older one, um, uh, done with Lester Del Rey. Um, and it's it's kind of like all of his collaborations, but it's it's um, set on Earth uh, in sort of a post nuclear uh, Holocaust uh, era where there was a limited nuclear war. Um, what's neat about it is it has sort of that nineteen sixties nineteen seventies sort of Earthbound story where they it's a utopian novel and they take some aspect of human society that's already developing and then just max maximize it out see what the end point would be and in this uh-huh. case um basically the world is not run by governments it's run by insurance companies or a insurance company and your existence is determined by how whether you're a good risk or a bad risk and it's very interesting because it, it shows how you know um that sort of mindset of uh Insuring people for their for their own good uh, versus you know uh, rewarding bad behavior or rewarding good behavior um, would be um, tied into economics. It's very interesting, and uh, it's it's sort of one of those utopian novels where it's a it's really actually a dystopia where the where the hero um, learns to uh, join the revolution against his society. Uh-huh. I really like those. Those it's there's sort of a whole whole series of those set all over uh, the 60s and 70s, 
Um, and Frederick Pohl uh, is sort of into that, and Lester Del Rey wrote a lot of those sorts of things. And um, this is just, it's, it's not like the greatest novel ever, but it's a really solid novel from, of that genre I'd never heard of before. So that's, oh, that's great. It's a really yeah. I'm looking at the website right now, so it's it is a novel. It's oh yeah, it, he, this is uh, one of his uh, first few novels um, that he's done. Oh great! Really, uh, a whole lot of work involved in doing a novel versus a short story. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm noticing here something else. I'm, I've got to listen to uh, Pronto is uh, Scanners Live in Vain. Yeah, Ford Wiener Smith. Isn't that amazing? Uh, it's great. Yeah. It's fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, he's got some amazing stuff coming out. I, uh, I was saying one of the best audiobooks I've ever heard came out through Wonder Audio. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to <laughs> recall the title, but it'll come to it me. It was uh, Bester, I think. Fondly Oh, yeah. That's it. That's exactly it. Uh, Al- mm-hmm. Anything by Alfred Bester is awesome, but this is an amazing story because... It's done in every kind of person you can imagine. First person, second person, third person. And it's got a sort of a mix of synesthesia where you mix, um, confuse different um, senses. Um, And it's a mystery story told by either the murderer or someone uh, related to the murderer. You're not sure until the story Mm -hmm. concludes. Just an amazing story. Very powerful. Very raw. Very. Um, yeah, the uh, I enjoyed it as well. Not as much as you did, but I, I love Alfred Bester. You know, are, are his novels on audio anywhere? Because they'd actually make them really. One, good. you you would think that those would be out already, but there's one release of. Um, uh, I was going to say Tiger, Tiger, but that's not the that's not the title um, in North America. Um, yeah, if somebody could do uh, the stars, my destination. That's the one that hasn't been done. Yeah, they should do that, but you know, it would take a a little bit of style in that audio because of uh, you know the poetry and stuff in it. I haven't actually read the stars, my destination. I've read the other one, which is eluding me, um, yeah. which it was released uh, through a British company, British uh, publisher. I got a copy of that on cassette ages ago. Gotcha. And that was uh, that was fantastic. Hey Jesse, I noticed um, on your web- on the website this week you posted something about Conan and Broken Sea Audio. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Paul Mannering, one of the guys in charge of Broken Sea, uh, which is a uh, they call it Broken Sea Audio Productions. Um, they're um, amateur audio drama group, you know, umbrella group, I guess is what I've been calling them. It's a bunch of people who like to make audio drama, get together and make it. Um, They've been releasing a bunch of uh, Robert E. Howard stories, either as audiobooks or as audio dramas, and they got a cease and desist order um, from Conan Properties International. What, they're telling them not not to make these... Well, that's not exactly the way they worded it. Well, the way they worded it is, um, you got to stop, um, and specifically, you got to stop using the word Conan in the title of your audio dramas, because oh. they think that they have the the right to uh, the exclusive use of Conan as the hmm. title of their stories uh, or, or their brand. Now, it's really interesting because. 
Conan Properties International doesn't have um, the right to the stories. Uh, most most of Robert E. Howard's stuff is now public domain. So mm. it'd be as if um, my the example I've been using in some you know email uh, debates is it's as if uh, I can publish a, uh, I could publish a study in Scarlet, but I don't have the right to mentioned Sherlock Holmes, right? That's the, the, the idea is that uh, Conan Properties International may not technically own the uh, rights to the public domain stories, because they're public domain, but they think that they own the right to the character of Conan created by Robert E. Howard. I see. And so... Yeah, we, we've had discussions. To me, this is a... That's a real tough issue, because I can see kind of both sides of that argument. Um... For example, I, I remember uh, a long time ago we, we were talking about it, and you mentioned, like, uh, Mickey Mouse and mm-hmm. Disney. Now, to me, you know, the Disney Corporation has spent a fortune building Mickey Mouse as the, basically, the symbol of their organization, right? Yep. So, for someone else to use Mickey Mouse, no matter how old it is, um without their permission, could be construed as being um, approved by Disney. And therefore, I, I agree with Disney that they should be able to own that character, and whatever's done with that character, they should get to control that. This is sort of the issue, the same sort of issue. Um, this is a trademark, right? So Mickey Mouse uh-huh. is a trademark of Disney. And the way trademark law works versus copyright law is that as long as you protect your trademark, you keep using your trademark, you don't let it fall into the public domain, which is sort of a vague issue itself. Mm-hmm. But imagine you have a corporation that goes out of business. Um, I was going to say like Atari, but <laughs> it didn't actually go out of business. It just went very low. Um, <laughs> uh, you have some corporation that goes out of, you know, like Burma Shave. Okay, Burma Shave mm-hmm. is not heavily advertised anymore. I'm assuming that it's out of business. If um, I wanted to use Burma Shave uh, as uh, the title of my book or something, I wouldn't be violating its trademark if the trademark is no longer being used by a company trading under that name or trading mm-hmm. under that logo or whatever. Um, that trademark lapses. Now, the the case for Mickey Mouse is that it hasn't lapsed. They've been continuously using Mickey Mouse uh, since, you know, Steamboat Willie or before. But Steamboat Willie is in the public domain. No kidding. Yeah. Now, the the issue here is <laughs> there's actually a law in the U.S. Um, called the Mickey Mouse Law by some people uh, because it was inspired by this very issue. They want to mm-hmm. preserve the right of Mickey Mouse to be used only by Disney. Um, and one of the one of the issues, if you look on Wikipedia about this, is you know the really they've got a very solid example is um, a character that looks almost identical to Mickey Mouse um, is being used by uh, one of the Middle Eastern news channels to. Uh-huh. "Quote unquote," teach children to be terrorists, right? So this is okay. the nightmare of the Disney Corporation. We don't, uh, we don't, Disney. You know, Mickey does not teach terrorism. That's not right. Mickey's thing. 
Um, <laughs> I can I can totally see why they want to protect that. Um, but on the other hand, um, I don't think you can make the case uh, that Conan Properties International has been continuously using the character of Conan since the stories came out in the 1920s and 1930s uh, to show that he is a character protected by trademark for that entire time. And I don't even think that that's what they're trying to argue. I think what they're arguing is that the character we know of as Conan, the character uh, basically developed in the 1970s uh, in Marvel's Savage Sword of Conan and in Conan the Barbarian uh, the movie and in Conan the Destroyer the movie and the Conan television show and the Conan cartoon and the modern Conan uh, Dark Horse comics that character is protected and I think that that's the argument they're trying to make but I think that they're willing to grab anything else that is uh, out beyond that. So, what's what? What does this mean? Uh, it means that uh, they're making a claim on the use of the name Conan. Uh, basically, maybe they're worried about the font of the word mm-hmm. Conan uh, resembling that of the font used by one of those versions instances of Conan the Barbarian. Um, in in. Uh, Lawsuits filed by Conan Properties International in the past, they don't actually say Conan is a character controlled by uh, Conan Properties International as much as they say Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Sumerian, and what they well, those those are names that are developed from the properties of later stuff. El Sprague de Camp is one of the creators of Conan under the uh, legislation. Uh, this is getting kind of uh, technical, but um, Elspreg de Camp did not write co-author stories with Robert E. Howard until long after Robert E. Howard was dead. So, him being one of the creators of Conan is true in the sense that the modern idea of Conan is completely, uh, you know, it's actually more Elspreg de Camp than it is Robert E. Howard. Huh. It's more because uh, he he his the way he influenced the stories is very strong, but it's not in the original stories that aren't unrelated to him. So all the public domain stuff is not the Elspreg de Camp, uh, Robert E. Howard co- collaborations. It's the uh, Robert E. Howard stories all on their own, and <clears throat> I think that Broken Sea has a very given that I'm not, not a lawyer and I hate that that thing but you know saying that but not that I, I want to be a lawyer I'm just saying I hate that we have to qualify our opinions because this is a this is a matter of reasonableness if you can convince people reasonable people that you're correct then you're correct that's how mm-hmm. civil law works um in the balance of probabilities if you can see that somebody is not um doing something to actually hurt a company then you're not actually hurting a company, and so, so the way the way the way this issue works is, um, they've they've got a cease and desist order saying that they shouldn't be using Conan as their as the 
advertising of their stories. The, the cease and desist order has a lot of things wrong with it, including the fact that they think that Broken Sea is selling something, and then that's going to hurt the market for for um, Conan Properties International's audiobooks, which don't exist. Um, right, well, right. Broken Sea doesn't sell anything. They give everything away for free. They have no plans to sell uh, sell anything. They only have plans to give things away for free. They do not sell anything. They won't be selling anything. That's not their thing. Um, so hurting the market, uh, d- does giving away free air hurt the market for bottled air? Yes, it does. Yeah, but there, there's no audiobooks that exist or anything like that. There, are, there have been That's no audiobook releases from Conan Properties International. There is another um, uh, Audio Realms uh, is releasing some oh, yeah. other other stories uh, by Robert E. Howard, and I'm actually in the middle of reviewing uh, one of those collections, and it's it's really good. But it's they do, they also do not use Conan uh, in the the title. Mm-hmm which is probably because of uh, some sort of cease and desist order because they originally uh, had mentioned releasing titles under the name Conan uh, Volume 1. You know, this is a company that does sue people. And, and right, you know, if you want to protect your money, you got to... They're selling the rights to Conan... Higgledy piggledy, as they say, all over the all over the uh, the world right now, and it's funny because there's so much Conan stuff coming out just at the time when almost everything Conan uh, originally written by Robert E. Howard is public domain. Right. And I was, well, I was that's making, fascinating. I mean, we could talk about this. I mean, I just wanted for a just, long, long time. I, one more thing. I just wanted to yeah, mention um, that Lovecraft is the same situation. Almost everything written by Lovecraft is in the public domain. Right now, uh-huh. there's never been a better time to be a fan of Lovecraft. You can get it all. The quality is extremely high on a lot of the audiobook releases. Uh, all the stuff from Audio Realms, in fact. Um, wow. Just amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, it's great. Story. Absolutely great. Amazing releases. And there's lots of um, fan uh, audio dramas and uh, commercial audio dramas coming out with Lovecraft movies and it's uh, it's the best time to be a Lovecraft fan, and that's not because the you know the character of Randolph Carter has become public domain and ruined it for the market. No, it's the opposite. The market's been improved by it becoming public domain. Mm-hmm. 